thing. All right, we are live. Okay, I'm here with uh, Rhea Bird. Um, Rhea, what is going on? Uh, you're traveling a lot recently. Um, Post-pandemic for you right now, you seem to be doing a lot of things. What's happening in your world uh, today and over the last few months? Um, well... A lot. <laughs> um, so let, let's let's pause. Actually, let's let's introduce yourself properly. Who are you? What are you up to? What are you doing? Let's get a proper introduction, and then let's get into the fun stuff. So um, my name is Ria. I um, have been a DJ now and musician for about ten years. Um, I so I sing and I write songs. I have a band called Eighty Eight Palms. Um, we kind of hit pause on that during the pandemic. Um, TBD, if that comes back up again, who knows? You know, we're just kind of everyone's playing it by ear these days. Um, so I had the band. Um, I've been DJing in New York um, for the last eight years. I've been here. And then I've also done a lot of time in the like hospitality um, and kind of like events industry. I've worked for a bunch of different hotels here in New York, um, managing clubs, everything from, you know, Soho Grand Hotel. Um, I did Rose Bar at the Gramercy Park Hotel. And um, I've just started now with One Hotels as the director of entertainment here. So that's my my current um project that I've just wow, taken. That's a pretty impressive list of uh, places to work. I mean, what is, um, what's it been like to work at? I mean, I worked at a hotel for quite a while, but I mean, you're doing kind of the entertainment, the music. Um, how's life been working at those kind of fancy hotels, fun hotels, uh, a lot of excitement. I bet you have a lot of good stories. How is, uh, how's working for all those hotels? Yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun stories. Everyone loves hearing Rhea's stories about <laughs> hotel life in New York because it is pretty crazy, you know, and it's, it's, it's the stuff of, of movies, honestly, you know, everybody wants to be in those rooms and there's a lot of celebrities obviously that come yeah. through and we are at the forefront of, you know, a lot of culture and a lot of art and a lot of music um, in this city. So it's always exciting um, industry to be involved in on whatever level. And I've been lucky enough to do it on some pretty high levels with some really great people um, over my time here in the city. So, yeah, that's cool. Have you, have you always had a passion for music arts? Like, is it something that you remember as a little kid, little kid or do you, when did yeah. you start really get into it? Yeah. Absolutely. Since I was a tiny, tiny little kid, um, I was super into performing and dancing and singing and music and playing. My dad was a DJ in Mexico in the 70s. Um, he was um, his friend was one of the uh, was the original owner of Senior Frogs that started in the 70s in Mazatlan in Sinaloa. So he was like kind of the original um, party boy, you know, in that scene. And at that time, Senior Frogs was like the Studio 54. You know, you yep. had all these celebrities and models and stuff from LA would go down there to kind of escape because it was a little more off the beaten path back then. Mm -hmm. And so he was, he was doing everything, waiter, bartender, DJ, you know, so, and wow. he was, he so he's always had a real strong connection to music um, from kind of that being his background. And he's always 
instilled in in me that same love for music it's like that's definitely our you know our love language like our connection um he just he always wants to talk about it he's always you know he gave me my first you know my first Depeche Mode CD when I was 15 and my first David Bowie records and you know he was really into the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and you know all these Jimi Hendrix and all this stuff and um and 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 disco too you know he exposed me to a lot of uh, my early experiences with disco and electronic music or through him he loved 80s new wave stuff mm. and was very into style and fashion and so he um uh, i was definitely raised in a world where where those things were very much talked about um constantly and so it's not surprising I've ended up where I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's cool. I mean, he's given you like a whole diverse, I mean, you're talking about Depeche Mode and Rolling Stones and, um, yeah. you know, different different artists. And that's, that's always like, I always look at like, you know, I, follow, I listen to a lot of hip hop, 2000s hip hop, but it's always like those artists, you know, like, like a Jay-Z that that's had, they listen to a bunch of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. I listen to, you know, whoever this or that, that group or different kind of genres. Um, but it, it kind of all comes together to make it your own sort of when, when you get older and you grow up. But those are like, to me, the best artists have been exposed to many other different artists, not just one type of uh, music or one type of genre. Um, yeah, exactly. I think a, a broad background um, is important in, you know, really any kind of art. Like you got to understand a little bit of everything. Um, in order to understand, you know, why you like the things that you like and like why they're good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was I was very lucky in that regard, and that definitely wasn't, um, you know, the case for. I, I grew up in in Salt Lake City, Utah, so oh, wow. there was um, there was not a lot of people listening to that kind of stuff. That, I love it. I, I love it. Your dad's your dad's running Senior Frogs, listen to crazy music, and you're living in like. And we were in, like suburban Mormon Utah, like listening to Jimi Hendrix. Like it was. <laughs> so did, did, were you guys Mormon or or no? My mom was. Yeah, mom my was. mom. Okay. My mom is pretty like religious, but you know, my dad not so much. And um, you know, now and I, I never really got into that either. But it was just, yeah. you know, growing up there, it's like everyone, everyone, the yeah. whole 80% of the culture is, is like that. Um, my dad is just sort of like ambiguously Christian from growing up in Mexico, you know, like Catholic, mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. You know. yeah. That's a, wow. that's, that's a story for its own podcast. Mormon, Catholic, all, all kinds of stuff. I mean, you really got, you really got pepper sprayed with a bunch of stuff. A little up. bit of everything, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So, how did how did you navigate that as a as a as a kid? Was it you just embrace it? You're like, hey, my dad's fun. Did he just like when he was like, here's the music? Was he like just listen to a kid, or he was like, we're gonna listen to this together? Um, yeah, he would just play stuff, you know, yeah. in the house in the car, and and he was funny. He's very he was like mm. very into it, like very intense. Like he would play stuff, and he'd be like, you hear that? You hear that? That's Jimi Hendrix. That's, <laughs> this is, this is, well, you know, who is the lead singer of the Led Zeppelin? And he would like quiz me on stuff. And he was always wow. full of like these facts about music. And he would tell, you know, the stories of like playing volleyball with 
uh, Bob Dylan in, in Mexico at the, you know, on the beach and like dancing with John Travolta at the nightclubs and, oh, and, you know, and, and so he was this kind of like fanatic, I guess. Yeah. I mean, your dad sounds like a rock star. I love him already. <laughs> so he was, he was very excited about this stuff. And so I didn't, you know, growing up, I didn't really think that there was anything out of the ordinary to that. I, you know, I was just like, yeah, this music is cool. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get yeah. down to it. And it wasn't really until, you know, I got older um, and kind of like realized that like, oh, not everyone's dad is exposing them to stuff like that from a young yeah. age and instilling that kind of love. So yeah, I was very, I was very lucky in that regard. That that's cool. And so your dad, your dad's from Mexico and your your mom's from America or your mm -hmm. mom's from Mexico yeah. too. Okay. Yeah. My, my dad is from Mexico. So he was like, the story is he came over the border in a suitcase and a van full of Mormons. Um, <laughs> TVD. I, you know? I feel like we could do five podcasts with, about your dad alone. This is, <laughs> this is great. A suitcase in a van with Mormons. <laughs> what could go wrong? So he, you know, he, uh, growing up in, in Mazatlan, the party scene is really crazy there. The party scene in Mexico in general is, you know, pretty intense. So yeah. by by his late 20s, he was like over it. He was like burned out and mm. things were getting hectic and crazy. And um, he had befriended this Mormon family that had a timeshare down there. And they basically were like, come live with us in Utah. Get, you know, if you want to get out of Mexico. And yeah. back, back in those days, which I estimate would be like the 80s at some point um early 80s i guess maybe mid um it's a little easier to sneak through the border <laughs> <laughs> and um so he ended up in saint george utah um and that's where he met my mom who was wow. living down there she's originally born and raised in utah and they just kind of collided at the at the perfect time you know she was also ending her bad girl streak and, and moving into this Mormon world to kind of, you know, a literal come to Jesus moment, I think mm -hmm. for both of them and, and they yeah. connected and, you know, and that's, and that's how and the story. Had, and then they had you. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was, um, it's a pretty wild origin story. Wow. That is wild. That is wild. Um, that's cool. So you so you grew up in Utah, and then and then when when did you make the move to uh, to leave the Mormon area? Um, I mean, I always kind of knew since I was you know about high school age that I wanted to get out. It was once I understood that you know I was I was a bit weird, a bit different than the other kids you know in my in my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I I always wanted to get out, um, and I knew I wanted to go to a bigger city somewhere where there's more culture. I had, I had a great experience in Salt Lake, honestly. Um, I had a great crew of friends that we started DJing together and throwing these parties. Um, you know, I honestly, I never saw myself becoming a DJ. It wasn't something that I was like, oh, that's what I really want to do. I've always loved music and singing and performing, but the DJing just kind of came accidentally because I had this library of all this cool stuff that I've been listening to since I was a kid. And then when I started getting more into like electronic music and more dance music, my friends would just make me play my playlists all the time. And then finally they were like, why don't you DJ? You should DJ. And then 
I had a, a bar owner came to me and said like, oh, my DJ just quit as I was playing music on my iPod um, back in the iPod days in this space. Yep. And I'm, I'm old enough. <laughs> and, um, and the owner was like, oh, I really like what you're playing. You know, my, my friend was the bartender. It was an off night. I just, I was like, your music sucks. Let me fix this. And, <laughs> and, and, um, and she came to me and she was like, oh, I really like what you're playing. Do you want to, do you want to take over when my DJs, um, you know, if he needs a night off or whatever. And I was just like, she's like, I'll, I'll pay you this much and we'll do a cover at the door and you'll make this much. And at the time, you know, I was probably, I don't know, maybe 21 or 22 years old. And I was like, that's a lot of money. And <laughs> I was like, sure. Uh, and then I called my friend and I was like, yo, I need you to teach me how to DJ. I just got an offer and I don't know how to do it. So, and then she called me the next week and said, Hey, my guy quit. Can you take over? Wow. I spent the last $400 in my checking account to buy a little DJ controller. I taught myself how to use it in like four or five days. And I had my first gig that night and I ended up playing there for three years. And yeah. So then at the end of that three years, by then, you know, my friends and I had started doing more parties because we were listening to a lot of cool, like house music, tech house, deep house, like disco edits, you know, and at this time, I think a lot of people around there were still doing kind of like dubstep and like EDM and kind of like that sort of stuff that, you know, we were like, no, no one was playing what we wanted to hear. So we, we made it happen ourselves. And then after a few years of doing that, I'd kind of tapped out the market there and there wasn't really much else to do. I'd played all the venues. I knew everyone there. And so that was when, um, I guess fate kind of intervened and I ended up moving to New York. I, I was kind of thinking I might end up in LA. I had some friends there and then I kind of came to stay with some friends in New York during a weekend and made some, some pretty influential connections very accidentally and mm -hmm. ended up, um, you know, kind of coming back from a wild weekend um, with a really interesting crew of people that basically convinced me to move to New York. Um, a lot of them are still like my best friends in the city to this day. Um, and I, and yeah, and I, I came home and I was, I was gone, I think a month later. Wow. Wow. So how do you, um, <clears throat> listen, I love music. I can't, play music. I can't do anything. I was listening to some of your stuff today. Um, and I, I'm curious to, to hear like, what is your, do you have a process of putting all these sounds together? Cause like I said, I, I couldn't, if someone paid me a million dollars, I couldn't figure this out in, in years to do it to the way you do. It just flows. It sounds cool. It's vibey. Like, do you, do you listen to things and take notes? Do you just hear things and just make sense to put things together? Like, I mean, for you as a musician or someone who's an artist, it probably comes a little more naturally, obviously, than someone like myself. But I was just always curious to see how talented people like you put all this cool music together and, and make it sound great. So I was just trying to see if there's any sort of process that you have doing this. Yeah, I mean, I'm terrible. I'm, I don't really think about it too much, which is an awful awesome. like, answer <laughs> to that question. But like... Um, I, I hear something, yeah. I know immediately within the first few seconds whether I'm going to like it or not. You know, some other ones I'll make, I might make it into at least like halfway through the song. But most of the time I'm, I'm scrubbing through stuff. I know the sound when I hear it and I know when it's something that 
hits on almost like a primal level. And that's when I'll pull stuff in, you know, whether it's something for a DJ set or whether it's like a, a playlist I'm curating for the hotel or for a different kind of event. And I have like, my playlist situation is out of control. I have like a hundred on every platform of different, you know, I have very specific lists and moments. So like I hear something and I just automatically, doesn't matter what I'm doing. I've done it, done it riding a, a motorcycle or a bicycle where I'm just like pull out my Spotify and I'm like, this needs to go in that basket. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Moving on. And so I'm constantly curating these lists and curating the sound of these lists and listening back to them and deleting things and adding things like, the playlist curation happens full time around the clock. Right. Um, and, and that's just because it's something that I love. I love being able to have, I think having the right music in the right space in the right time is such an important thing. It can make or break a vibe, you know, yep. it, can, it can make or break a party. Um, I, <clears throat> I've walked into bars and restaurants and if the music's not right, I'll turn around and walk right back out. Hmm. So I, you know, I just, I guess I, I just kind of, currently know from listening to so much stuff and just having my own kind of personal background of the stuff that I think is cool and the kind of like cultural notes that I draw from. Um, and, and then with, in terms of like writing music, um, that's very similar. It's funny. Like anytime I've ever been in the studio, I can sit down and I can come in with all of these lines that I've written and stuff that I want to say, or like ideas, you know, from songs that I'm inspired by and sit down with my producer and go, okay, like, what are we going to do today? And he'll pull up a track and I'll just like start, I'll just do something on the fly and just kind of start improvising. And I never end up using anything that I actually wrote. I'll just kind of like come up with something on the fly and then find it you know, kind of yeah. it in post. Um, it's very just like from the heart, from the gut. Like I, you know, when I'm DJing as well, you know, unless it's, unless it's like a really, you know, a really high end gig or something, you know, I'm playing like a huge festival and I don't want to mess up. Or if it's <clears throat> something that's like a, you know, pre-recorded kind of like very controlled environment. I don't really, um, I don't plan my sets. I don't, um, I don't come up with like a playlist beforehand and then like stick to that. I just kind of have my, my different lists and I kind of, you know, I know generally where I want to go with it, depending on the venue, the crowd, the time of day, wow. how I'm feeling, how <laughs> I'm feeling. Is it raining? Is it sunny? Are we beach are we on a roof are we in a right. dark nightclub is it 3 a.m you know so i have all these different kind of points <clears throat> and then and then i never really know where it's gonna go like you know for instance i i, I played it i played at coachella uh, for soho house um this a few weeks awesome. ago wow, and, that's cool and I thought that I was going to do like a really slow dreamy like daytime kind of chill set Yep. And then I came in and everyone was like, acid house. And I was like, okay. And I think it's important too, as a, as a DJ and as an artist to be able to, you know, to adjust and kind of pivot yeah. when you, you know, because you don't really, you never really know what you're walking into, right. you know, unless it's a club that you play all the time every week and you kind right. of know the clientele. 
but you know, you, it's, it's always going to surprise you. And that's the fun part about it. You know, you're always trying to come up with new ways to tell a different story, depending on where you are and what's going on. Wow. That's, that's super interesting. Um, that you kind of have, you know, obviously some ideas and the music ready to go. But again, I'm always like, it's so flawless watching people like you that I'm like, Oh, she had this prepared. She had this ready to go. I was like, Oh, this is pre-recorded. She's hitting a button. Like, Cause it sounds so good. You know what I mean? That's, that's the thing, but to be able to like, to your point, like why would you go in when people are ready to rock and run, ready to party and you're going to just play some like just vibey kind of stuff. Like that's not going to resonate well at, at all. Um, but just, just to be able to read in real time, like you said, the sun, the rain, the crowd, the venue and say, okay, I guess the vibe. So do you catch the vibe? Like, when you're on stage or when you're, when you're there, or just, are you like walking around beforehand backstage or amongst the crowd and say, okay, I get what's going on. And then you start to feel it a little bit and then do your set based on that. Yeah. There's usually, you know, you usually have somebody that's like playing before you. And yeah. so, you'll, and so you'll kind of depending on, and that's, that oftentimes can be a really big factor, you know, but if you're opening DJ, you know, it's like, doing and and you can kind of see the crowd's response to what they're doing too yeah. and kind of say like oh okay like he's going in this direction but they're not really into it or right. oh we're, or we're here and like they're loving it so right. let's see more of that and i think that's the important part like i have people ask me all the time you know whether or they're like oh read it can you teach me like i've got the music and da -da -da. i'm like yeah i can i can teach anyone how to dj like that simple act itself of djing and working on the turntables and beat matching is is very simple it's it i can teach anyone how to do that for you it's for you it's simple the it's thing like that, me <laughs> once you once you start you know like okay. i said i taught myself in like four or five days you know if you really yeah, but we, we've already heard your story of your dad so that's uh i was listening to he johnny Cash back in the day he never, Kenny Rogers. he never taught me though he never he mm. never had like you know a turntable set up in the house or anything like gotcha. that and he was far past those those party boy days you know by the time i came along it was my friends that that first showed me how to do mm. it um but yeah if you're if you really are under pressure and if you really need to figure it out you'll find a way and okay. i've done that and i've showed people how to do that i tell people all the time though the thing that i can't teach you is i can't teach you the taste i can't teach you to have good taste in music i don't know where that comes from i don't mm -hmm. know how to teach someone how to how to have good taste yeah. um and i don't know how to teach you necessarily I mean, I, I maybe teaching someone how to read a crowd might be a little easier, but you've got to get past the taste part in order to even get in front of a crowd, right? So, you know, if you can't kind of into it, that kind of like feedback, emotional body feedback response that you get from an audience, yeah, um, you know, sometimes, because I've seen people who are super talented, um, you know, and, and I think, I think this is one of the reasons why I love a lot of like female DJs in the space is like, I feel like women are a little more attuned to be able to kind of feel the emotions of a crowd and feel the energy of a crowd. And they're more responsive in that way. Mm -hmm. Whereas I've seen a lot of guy DJs will get up and they just kind of are like, this is yeah. my set and this is what I want. And this I, knew, is I knew exactly what you were going to say as, as a guy. I'm like, yeah, we're just screw you. Doing? Screw you if that's not what you want. This is what I'm giving you. And so it's not a conversation, you know. Um, and so, yeah. so that's that's the part that I that's hard to to teach people. Um, yeah. 
yeah. and that's the part that I don't, I don't, I don't know where it came from, man. I don't know. <laughs> it makes it makes sense. I, I I like that with with guys. I I could see that. Um, I guess I could see see guys doing that compared to uh, women understanding um, a little bit more. Um, so where what are you listening to? I mean, obviously you're probably listening to as much as you can. Put together your playlist. You got a day off. You're just chilling. What are you listening to? Is there some specific type of music that you like to just chill with or is it it everything? I'm definitely listening to one of my playlists. Um, I have, I, I, like I said, because I'm I'm constantly curating stuff. Yeah. So like right now I've been listening to a lot of my like hotel playlists. It's like chill lounge stuff. The, The funny part is like, you know, I'll DJ like a, a crazy nightclub and play, you know, like, or like a huge festival with like flamethrowers and be throwing down those like heavy hitting tracks. And, but then I go home and I like to listen to like jazz and like classical and and chill stuff and just like, and like acoustic singer songwriter things. Mm. Um, I like a lot of like blues. Um, I listen to, you know, like psychedelic rock stuff. Um, you know, some indie stuff, synthy, electronic, like I, I'm, I'm way more, um, fringe and artsy at home than I am on stage. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and that, and that makes sense. I mean, cause sometimes you want to take a break from the job or the work and, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. Like, and I think, um, it's, it's funny to like, uh, you know, like anytime I've ever, had like a roommate situation or like getting an apartment or whatever and people hear you're a dj they think that that means that it's party all the time round the clock like into into like 24 7 like no like no like i that's i that's work i do that at work and then when i'm home i'm i want it to be like chill and nice and pretty so yeah i i can can relate i mean being in hospitality in the bar world and um sometimes when I would just, I'd work four or five shifts in a row. I'm like my Sunday, I'm like, I, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to mm-hmm. talk to anybody. I don't want to go out. I don't want to have conversations. I don't want anything. Uh, yeah. People are like, why didn't you come out? I'm like, I, I, I want to be left alone. Like, I, want, so I, want the, people. I want the total <laughs> opposite of what I was just doing. Exactly. Yeah. And people oftentimes, you know, say that to me, like, oh my God, like your job is so fun. You're playing all these different places and all these different cool spots and da, da, da. I'm like, and it, it absolutely is. Yeah. But then that just means that understand that when you ask me to come out, I'm, I, I probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good chance I'm not going out. <laughs> Is it, you know, cause that's work and I get paid to do that. And if yep. you're not paying me to go do that, I'm probably not going to go do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So now, I mean, now that you're, when did, did you just start this job at the one hotel? Yeah, we're we're pretty brand new here. We're our cool. week two in wow. getting ready to kick off a bunch of fun stuff for the summer. So wow. I am I am a busy, busy bee just getting caught up on everything that's going on here. And I'm excited to start putting together some really cool events up here and kind of take that that curation of all those sounds that I was just talking about, yeah. incorporating them into this space and into the brand and just elevating the experience for people that are staying here and, you know, making it a cooler spot within the community for people to, to be involved with. And so it's going to be, it's going to be a good summer. 
Wow, that is so. Will you still DJ at other places, or you're gonna be there? Yeah, yeah, I'll be I'll be DJing still as well. Are you doing Arte Agave this year? Did we book you? Are you in? Um, I haven't I haven't uh, been approached about that yet. <laughs> well, that's terrible. <laughs> we got to call our friends at Illegal again, and mm -hmm. uh, I will we will we can chat after this. But I mean, yeah. hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you're you're available. We can we can figure this out again and get you get you helping us out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still DJing. I'm still doing events and stuff. Um, you know, just kind of more on the side now. Um, yeah, I can be definitely. a little more, I can be a little more selective about mm. the stuff that I'm doing and, and put a little more intention into it, which is yep. fun. Um, but yeah, it's like day and night, Rhea. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so what do you, what, I mean, I know you're, you're new, the, the hotel, um, anything that you do have planned or anything, any big projects coming up at the hotel or with you? Ooh, I don't know what I'm allowed to speak. <laughs> anything, about. anything you can share? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have, I mean, honestly, it's all so brand new. Yeah. I know like we're, we're doing a pride party, I believe with the misshapes. That'll be a, a fun little blowout. Um, how, got, how big is the hotel? I mean, how, how big is the event space or the music venue or? So, um, you know, we've got like four or 500 person capacity on the rooftop. We have like a beautiful rooftop pool. It's like views of the Brooklyn Bridge and downtown Manhattan. You can see the Statue of Liberty. It's pretty epic. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of getting everything in line, you know, with like making sure the sound is right so that I can start confirming and booking a lot of these cool ideas that I've got. You know, I want to. Um, <clears throat> I'm super into working within like the local community. So I want to bring in a couple of different, you know, like local Brooklyn based um, music labels, you know, like your, your DFA records and your soul claps and, and uh, razor and tape and things like that, that are, um, you know, more local people, local DJs that are here, they're in the community, they're bringing people that are part of the space so that it becomes more like authentic that way. Mm. Um, you know, cause that's, that's really what people come to New York for. You know, that's yeah. what people that come to this hotel is as tourists, they want to see the local wildlife as I call them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give them that here. Yeah. How, how is the local wildlife? Is it still wild? Is it still fun? Oh. I've been, so I've been out of New York now since the pandemic. So I, I, I've, I've kind of missed it. I miss the city. I miss Brooklyn. Are we still doing cool? Are we still, are we still cool in New York? What's going on? It never stopped, baby. Right. Never never stopped. Sure. I'm just making sure. <laughs> New York. I've been nervous for a while. I was getting nervous. Like what's happening to my New York? What are we doing? That was one of the, uh, um, <clears throat> I was here during like full lockdown. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the craziest times I think to be in New York, because first of all, just to see it so empty with the streets yeah. and everything. And I have a motorcycle and I was riding through empty, you know, Times Square and, Untouched, and, right? yeah. and across the bridges. And it was like, it was like a movie. It was like a super surreal moment, but the parties kept going. Mm. The parties, New York, New York didn't go anywhere. It just went underground, you know? Yeah. And, um, and even, you know, my, myself included, I started doing parties on my rooftop during the pandemic. I was like, I took the CDJs from Pony Boy, the bar down the street that I've been doing yep. a lot of music bookings for. And I took those 
put them on my roof in Greenpoint and had all these people come over and I was like paying my homie to like do the door and I had signs up, you know, where to go to the bathroom and rules and tip jars for the DJs and like, but there was no one had anywhere to go at that time. You know, all the clubs were closed. We, you know, we didn't have, you know, this was like early, early, you know, first couple of, months of the pandemic and people were getting really anxious and people were getting really restless from being locked in their tiny New York apartments. Yeah. So, you know, me being the, you know, maybe not so play by the rules sort of human being that I am. I love it. I was like, I was like, yeah, I know we're not supposed to be like gathering, but it's just like a couple of us and it's fine. And, and so, (laughs) so I started having people over it started with like, 10 or 15 of us. And then next weekend it was like 20 or 30. And then the next weekend it was like 40 or 50. And then it all culminated with me having like over a hundred people on my roof for 4th of July. And I, and I got some great DJs up there, you know, a lot of my friends like, um, and, and we had a blast, man. And it was super fun. And, you know, and I was just like, I'm bringing in, lights that I got off of Amazon and pulling all my extension cords up from my apartment downstairs and getting <laughs> help me carry speakers up the stairs to the roof. And, you know, like it's one of the things I love about New York, man, is like people, oh. people will always find a way here. They will never let anything stop them yeah. from enjoying life, from enjoying each other, from enjoying a good drink, from enjoying music that never stopped. And yeah. that's, you know, that gave me a lot of hope. And it was a beautiful experience too to see, you know, like playing in front of these people and seeing their faces dancing again for the first yeah. time. Dancing for the first time in like months and being in front of a DJ for the first time in months and just seeing how much people needed this mm-hmm. really kind of cemented why I do what I do and and the importance of it to me, where I was like, I, you know, I'm I'm this is my community service. You know, we need, we need to dance. We need to connect. We need the music to be the, you know, the thing that brings people together in a room, in a space, you know, from all different backgrounds and whatever. Like I, I've always have said like music is like one of the most universal things that we have as, as human beings. And, and it, it's a thing that brings us together and, and, it can be so powerful and transformative, especially in times, you know, like then when your things are very uncertain and things are very scary, you kind of need that moment to like forget about all the scary things that the world is happening. Um, and I, that that's a really important thing to me is to provide people with an opportunity to kind of escape whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going on in the world, if you can have a moment on the dance floor where you're not thinking about that and you're just here in this moment and you're having a good time and you've got a drink and maybe there's a cute person that you've got your eye on across the bar, you know, like that is the moment that I'm trying to create. I want everyone to feel sexy, to feel special, to have a good time and not think about those things. You know, we'll think about those things when we need to think about them. I think it's important to take time to step outside of that and just kind of turn your brain off for a second and just be in the moment. Wow. That's, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, that's, you, I mean, you nailed it. I mean, I, I have a lot of friends that went through the pandemic 
here I'm down in Northern Virginia outside of DC and in New York that a lot of sadness, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety um, through it. But like what you're doing is, is, you know, you created a, a space that people can, can get out and, and we need that. I mean, you, you said it, I mean, there's so much, you know, I couldn't imagine I had a studio apartment in New York. I couldn't imagine just being there by myself. I'm like, that would have drove me crazy. If I would have found out about your party, I'd be like, I'm there in a second. <laughs> and you're right. We just, we, we miss, we miss that human connection. I mean, we're doing, you know, like we do zooms and which is fine. And people are on social media talking, which is wonky. Um, you know, I, I love, I think people like you and your community are necessary. I mean, just, we're so needed to bring people together. And like you said, music is just so universal. Like it doesn't matter. You put on some music and you know, it doesn't matter what country you're from. You get people in, in the room, listen to the same type of music. They're all on the same level. Um, and I think we miss that as humans. I think we're on Twitter too much or Instagram too much. And I mean, I'm on it because of business and stuff, but like, I don't know. I, we just, we need, we need more of you. <laughs> we need more clones of you creating those spaces and creating those unique opportunities to bring people together because I mean, you see it probably at your parties. There's no, there's no fights. There's no arguments. I mean, you might get something every once in a while, but most people are loving and they're caring. You know, maybe they ate some edibles before they came in and they're just chilling, having a good time. Um, and that's what we need more of. It's just, just that kind of stuff. I think if you bring humans together with some music, it doesn't matter what you look like or what your background is, everyone's going to get along. So uh, I think it's beautiful that you were doing that during the pandemic. I mean, did you... Did you do a lot of the rooftop stuff or was it just a few things in the beginning um, um, with the whole time? As much as I could get away with, with my awesome. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Until they really started bringing the hammer down on us and I didn't want to get kicked out in the middle of a pandemic. But yeah. um, so yeah, I think a hundred, a hundred people with cables coming from your window is that's respect. I, I, I like to hear that. <laughs> So it was, you know, I uh, I think we did kind of have to really scale it back yeah. after that. Um, after that, it was it was wild. There was there was like a lobby. It started raining and everyone just like grabbed everything and like kind of scattered and half of everything went down in my house. And then and then the and the other beautiful part was somebody snagged a disco ball went down to the lobby of the of the building and was like there was a whole nother bluetooth speaker party that popped up in the lobby and it was just like oh, i love new york man these kids they don't know they don't know how to stop i call them i call them my kids mm. they, they call me rave mom i call them my kids so just like come come my babies come, <laughs> come and eat with me <laughs> that is amazing and all right so cool i I, I love to hear that story because I've I just heard so many stories of, you know, all my favorite bars were shutting down. And like I said, my friends were just, you know, I would I would call them just, how you doing? And they're like, it's, you know, terrible. And um, so it's yeah. cool that, that you were. Yeah. And hey, listen, things were super stressful still, yeah. you know, like nobody really escaped that. But, you yeah. know, I'm a firm believer that like, you know, no matter how bad life gets, no matter how hard it gets. It's all about your perspective and it's all about you know like remembering to take time to do those things that bring you joy right. uh, regardless of what's going on and you know and it might feel selfish and it might feel like the wrong thing but i think it's so important to allow ourselves to enjoy life especially mm. when things are hard to just find whatever it is you know it can be tiny moments but to just find that whatever joy you can when, especially when things are hard, 
is super important. And I think it that brought a lot of us through this, you know, and that would certainly helped me kind of find my way through the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I hear you. I mean, as someone who produces events, um, my basically my whole entire company was just shut down um, mm -hmm. in a blink of an eye. And people, you know, were like, my family is like, what are you going to do? You know, and then that, like you said, the New Yorker and me came out. I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. Like, I'll, I'll go, I'm going to figure it out. And I, we started doing virtual events and online events and <clears throat> all kinds of stuff just to get through. But it's, um, you're right. It's, it's that man, that New York mentality of like, okay, bring it on. What do you got? Let's, <laughs> let's go. Um, you know, and, and, and as an entrepreneur, I mean, you probably know this and, you know, your personal entrepreneur is that there's a lot of ups and downs, you know, one day you're taking over the world. The next day you're like, damn it, what am I doing? Maybe I should not be doing this. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know what's happening. You know, you're crawl up in the corner and then you get a little bit of light and you're like, okay, I'm back. Let, let's go do this. Um, so that was, that was kind of me during the pandemic as well. I was like, let's just figure this out and, uh, see what's going to happen and go along for the ride. But I think, you know, to your point too, it's like finding those little tiny things. I think we're always, you know, as humans, we're always trying to chase something, you know, we're always trying to chase this, the bigger thing, the better thing. And we forget these little tiny things that we have in our lives, family or friends or whatever. And you do have to take a moment to stop, pause, enjoy those little kind of moments um, otherwise you're just, you're just passing through life and, and, and you're not really enjoying anything. You're just chasing. And most people are just chasing something. They don't even know what they're chasing money or power or fame or whatever. Um, yeah. and if they, you stop yeah. to smell the mezcal, then what's the yes. <laughs> stop and smell the mezcal. Is there a t-shirt that says that? Anyway? <laughs> <laughs> We're making it. Yeah, there you go. Don't forget to stop and smell the mezcal. Don't forget to stop and smell the mezcal. Uh, wow, that's awesome. So, what else? Um, you know, what else is going on? I mean, you're you're super super busy. Uh, I was texting with Elena, who runs my social media, and I was like, "Hey, I got the podcast today with Ria." She's like, "Oh, she sent me this whole bunch of stuff." Did she say you just got engaged or married, or was I wrong? <laughs> was I wrong saying that? Am I? Yeah, yeah, I just got engaged. Okay. Um, yeah, I just was, I got engaged to my amazing boyfriend, Stephen Stone. Um, Shout out to Stephen Stone. <laughs> it, yes, he's incredible. I'm obsessed. Um, we have a really fun story. We've been, uh, friends for 10 years Wow. and, um, you know, the timing was never right. There was always, you know, a, someone had was in a relationship or you know and then we moved to different cities but we we made a deal 10 years ago that we were gonna the next time we were both single we would ride our motorcycles together down to mexico and he he's ridden motorcycles since he was a kid he's like the ultimate badass he's a genius photographer and creative director and um and i've always been a fan first and foremost um you know and we've been really good friends over this whole time so we made this deal to ride our motorcycles together and then you know i moved to new york he's been in la for the past six years and then i found myself in tulum during the pandemic um mm -hmm. and i was living in a an apartment in the jungle and we started talking again and i said hey like remember we had that deal about mexico so um I'm here, like, mm. where are you at? And, 
and he came down and we didn't know what was going to happen. We'd never even kissed at that point. And, but we always had had crushes on each other. You know, his photos have been hanging in my apartment in New York for eight years. And I didn't know it was going to happen if, you know, maybe it wasn't going to work. Maybe it was going to be weird. And um, we fell in love and now we're getting married. So <laughs> wow. congratulations. Thank um, you. So what did, did you just cruise around Mexico in your motorcycles? Like what? We did, you know, he, he flew, uh, so we cheated that one, but, uh, but we did rent motorcycles as soon as we got down there and we had some fun adventures getting caught in the rain <laughs> and breaking down in the middle of the jungle. And, um, it was great, great fun. Um, we can't wait to do more trips like that, honestly. Um, so yeah, we're, we're both in New York now and really excited about that and, When's uh, do you have a date set yet, or is it still TBD? Uh, we're we're shooting for um, 11, 11, 22 is our 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 goal right now. We want to do something in Mexico. We'll see if that happens. You know, life's a little crazy right now, yep. so yep. that's the goal. Um, either way, no matter where we are on 11, 11, we're gonna we're gonna figure it out. <laughs> okay. I like that. I like that. So, do you think like? goes off into the sunset. <laughs> I mean, you've known each other for so long. Do you think it's better that it did take 10 years or? Yeah. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like we've said this a lot to each other that I'm not sure if, if when we had initially met, if anything would have happened between us, if it would have lasted, you know, it's like, right. I was a I was a crazy young twenty something. He was a crazy, you know, thirty something, and you know we were both still figuring stuff out and being being shitheads probably most of the time. And um, I'm I'm glad that you know we kind of reconnected a bit later in life when we've both kind of chilled out a little bit more. And yeah, we're and we're you know it's I I I tell people you know it's just it's all about finding somebody that's, you know, at the same spot where you're at, you know, where you're both coming from the same intention where and you're clear about those intentions and you're clear about, you know, what it is you're trying to do with your life and your relationships. Like I think a lot of, a lot of people get twisted up about miscommunications in that kind of realm. You know, if you're, if you're upfront and honest with people and Hey, yeah, I get it. It's scary. It's scary to ask, you know, like if whether or not someone sees themselves as the kind of person to even get married, you know, mm -hmm. like you got to ask those questions because otherwise you're going to end up, you know, a year down the road or who knows, you know, and everyone's in love and your lives are intertwined. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, you're not driving down the same highway as I was, I, <laughs> yeah. you know? So yeah. I think it's, you know, that's, that's it is like, and that comes with age, you know, and that comes with experience too, is like losing that filter and just being super upfront and super straight up with people just, just yep. like, Hey, are we doing this? Are we doing this or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. I don't care. Yeah. No. Um, yes or no. Yeah. Let me know. Cause if not, you know, yep. I'll carry yep. on. I'll carry on down highway this. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, and that's smart. And that comes, that maturity comes with a little bit of age. So I was, I was curious. Cause I was like, yeah, 10 years. I mean, that's, you know, you're still young, but like it, it kind of makes sense to get all those things out and figure yourselves out. And then, you know, once you've got your, your thing ready to go and you guys come together, I think that's, that's really cool. And that's a, it's a great love story. I mean, the fact that you've known each other for so long and, and here you are getting ready for 11, 11, 22. 
Yeah, it's exciting. And he's, you know, like he's a brilliant creative as well. So we have this fun little dynamic. We're always kind of bouncing things back and forth between each other. And I think that's a that's a really important thing, you know, to look for in relationships, too, is like, um, you know, find somebody that inspires you that you're inspired by and that is inspired by you in turn. And then you just kind of have this, this cycle of self-continuation of just constantly, you know, both of us are constantly trying to, to do better and be better at our art and our craft. And I think it's really important to, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I feel very lucky to have find some, find found someone that is aligned in that way where, you know, he's also chasing that and he's also trying to be better at the same and supporting me to do the same on my path. And we just, you know, we, we, we help each other out and we like, we hold each other up and that's, that's it, man. That's all you need. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that story with me. Um, Really cool. So, I mean, I've been, I've been taking your time for about an hour. I'm sure you're super busy, but uh, where where can people find you? Instagram, uh, website. Is there anything else to musically to, to, to find you? Yeah. Um, I've got my website, reabird.com. Um, that's got links to all my social, all of my SoundCloud, Instagram, um, everything's on there. Um, and then, yeah, Instagram is just at reabird. Um, that's it. That's what I usually tell people if they're, they're trying to keep track of my movements. That's a good place to start because gotcha. that's generally all I have time to update most days. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I mean, obviously you'll you'll be in New York. I mean, running this hotel now. I know you're doing um, you're doing not only the music, but you're doing events and everything else over there as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of curating, um, you know, music um, on every level, and then you know, partnering with different people and events to just make some cool activations happen throughout this property. It's a gorgeous property. It's a great hotel. Um, you know, they're super committed to sustainability, which is a super important thing in my world as well. Um, so I'm just, I'm really excited to see what kind of fun stuff we get up to this summer. So stay awesome. tuned. Awesome. I, I love it. And then we'll, we'll chat separately on Arte Agave and yeah. we'll get you in the, get you in the room if you're available and you want to. Absolutely, um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Well, listen, I, I appreciate your time. Uh, this, this was great. Thanks for sharing all your stories about your family and, and your future um, yeah. with what you're doing. So I, I appreciate you and uh, thank you all for listening. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye.